Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. So we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians. Uh, chapter 1 tonight. So we finished 1 Thessalonians last time I was up here. And looking forward to 2 Thessalonians to continue the study. Now if you remember last time in the first book of Thessalonians, Paul had gone to Thessalonica with Silvanus and Timothy. And there was a bunch of Jews who followed him from Philippi and caused problems. So after they were there for a few months, anywhere from three to six months, they started persecuting some of the believers that followed Jesus. So Paul removed himself from Thessalonica and went south. Now time has gone by, and I believe that Paul was in Corinth, and he sends another letter to the Thessalonians. Now remember, the people of Thessalonica, the city, were in a pagan culture. It was bad. There was a lot of idol worship, a lot of promiscuous sex going on within the religion. So here, Paul comes with the good news, salvation through Jesus, and people were grabbing onto it. They were being saved. And Paul met in a, had a home fellowship in Thessalonica. So it was a home group. It wasn't in the synagogue. The synagogue wasn't receiving him that well, even though he was going there on Sundays. It was really the home group where people were attending and getting saved. Now, what's happening in the time that Paul's been away, before he writes this second letter that we're going to look at tonight, there's been a lot of false doctrines going throughout the region. Just like there's false doctrines today. And Paul had to ground them back into the truth. Just like you and I have to know God's word, which is truth. If we're not reading God's word, if we're not familiar with God's word, we too can be swayed by different doctrines because we're not recognizing what is false and what is true. So let's jump into verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things when there's just a few names that I like to do, I like to find out what the meaning of the names are. So Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Paul's name means small or little. Sylvanius' names mean wood or woody. And Timothy's name means honoring God. And I thought that's very apropos to you and me. When we're not big in our own eyes but small, and we honor God, we're like a piece of wood that he can mold and shape and carve into his image. We always want to be small in our eyes. We serve a big God. 
We're humble before him. Now, we already know this church was in Thessalonica. And notice how Paul starts most of his letters in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He was identifying God the Father and God the Son. The first two persons of the Trinity. And we have to always remember as we're going through this uh, message tonight. It's called Counted Worthy. The title of the message is Counted Worthy. Now one of the things when you know who your father is. It really should help your self-image. Especially if he is the creator God. The God of everything that was ever made. Especially when he's the Savior who died on the cross for you. Especially when he has sent his Holy Spirit as your comforter and helper. He has equipped every believer with everything we need to make it through this earth. To make it through this journey on, of life. And boy, don't we need a helper. Don't we need a comforter. And what better comforter than God himself? So we have to always understand, who's our dad? And our dad is always watching us all the time. Verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now grace, you've heard that acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. Through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for your sins and my sins, for the shedding of his blood on the cross for you and for me. Because of what he did. And we receive him as our Savior and Lord. Now his riches are bestowed on us. Grace is his gift. Are the things he gives us throughout our life. In this journey. It's described as a merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ. Example of God's grace is you and I being here tonight. Has nothing to do with you or me. It's his grace. And we act on that grace that's presented us. His grace strengthens us. It keeps us. It increases us in our walk in the Christian faith. It gives us knowledge, affection, and arouses or wakens up or inspires us to exercise the Christian values and virtues. So if you're here tonight and you're a brand new believer in Christ, or maybe you've rededicated your life, or maybe you're a a mature Christian, His grace never ceases and never stops working and shaping you into who God started, what he started on you when you first received him. Isn't that cool to know that God is always working? We are truly works under construction. He's not done with this yet. No matter what you're going through, no matter what is happening. Great, great word there is peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Definition of this would be in our Christian walk. The tranquil state of a soul 
assured of its salvation through Jesus. And so, fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot, whatsoever that lot is. Can you say that tonight? Can you say no matter what you're going through, especially if it's a struggle? It's easy to go through good things, right? But when you're going through a struggle or a trial, do you have that peace that passes all understanding, knowing that God is in control and that what you're going through is temporary, regardless of what it may be? doesn't matter if it's health. doesn't matter if it's finances. doesn't matter what it is that's on your plate tonight. God's grace is sufficient. And of course, it comes from God our Father and the Lord. Let's look at that word Lord for a second. Definition. The owner, one who has control of the person, the master. That's what that word Lord means. In the state government back then, it's the sovereign, the prince, the chief, the Roman emperor. Well, that owner, that one who controls us, the master, is none other than the Prince of Peace. None other than the King of Kings. Remember where you come from. That's so important as you're traveling to where you're going. You must remember where you came from. You're counted worthy because you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's calling you, as we saw in 1 Thessalonians. He's calling you individually by name. We see tonight some of the people that he's called. And there's millions throughout the world. You're counted worthy because of what he did at the cross. And Paul was trying to show the Thessalonians that even though they they were a minority in a Christ-rejecting world, a pagan world, that was wrapped up in all the vices, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they were being called and set apart. No different, right, than you and I. Same thing you and I are called out of. We're in the world, but we should not be a part of it. Let's go to verse 3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. We are bound. That word bound means to owe to be in debt to. Now remember, one of the things Paul does throughout his letters, he calls himself a bondservant. And remember that word bondservant, what it means. It means you were once a slave, and then you were given your freedom by your master. But rather than go out on your own, you decided to stay because you loved your master so much, and he loved you. You didn't want to leave him. And that's when they would take you and they would put an ounce and pierce your ear, showing you that you were owned by this master. Well, when you and I receive Jesus into our heart, guess what? He gives us, through his piercing, 
a guarantee. He gives us his Holy Spirit. That's our mark. And as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, we should be more evident to others that we are followers of Jesus Christ through the circumstances of this life, both good and bad. And Paul is thanking God always for the Thessalonians because their faith is growing exceedingly through the persecution, through the day-to-day existence. And he's heard of their love growing for one another. You know, we've been here several years, and boy, the love, of the example of love in this church between people is phenomenal. You see it in all different ways. New people come to the church, often comment how blessed they are, how friendly you are towards them. You embrace them. You you go out of your way to say hello to someone you don't know or to a stranger coming in, regardless of the age. How cool is that? That's love abounding to one another. In 1 John 4, 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. And knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This is how God's love was revealed among us. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. I want to just emphasize the beginning of that. Let us love one another because love comes from God. The love that we're talking about is an agape love. It's an unconditional love. Not based on how a person looks or how they act or how they talk, what they do or don't do. It's a love that God gives you in your heart to go out and love other people that come across your path, regardless of their condition or state of life. And notice what 1 John 4, 7 also says, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. See, the love that God's talking about, this agape love, only comes when you're born into the kingdom, into the family of God. It's a supernatural love. It's a love that goes beyond the physical, goes beyond the human love. It's supernatural. People say, how could they approach that person? How could they act that way so kindly and loving as if they knew that person all the time? Well, that's the love of God. It's a supernatural love. And you and I are called to love everyone. And we should see that in our walk because we've been counted worthy to carry the name of Jesus Christ in our lives, in our hearts, and in our actions. Matthew 24.11 says, And many false prophets will arise and mislead many because of the multiplication of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold, but the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. Isn't that something? Paul, I think, is by his Holy Spirit, was speaking to the Thessalonians, but he's speaking to you and me today, the Holy Spirit. There are many false prophets will arise and mislead many. You know, you've heard it through different pastors and elders up here. The things that uh, are being done in the name of religion or in the name of Christ. You know, pastors are saying there's no hell. 
That's a mockery. That's a mock. That's a blasphemy on what Jesus did at the cross. Can you imagine the world? Oh, there's no hell. It doesn't matter what we do. Boy, isn't that Satan's strategy to get their eyes off of Christ or salvation or an eternal consequence and just live for today? Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we die, and that's it. That's a lie out of the pit of hell. Verse 4. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. This is one that you won't hear preach in a lot of in a lot of churches because notice hey it sounds good when you talk about patience and faith but there's an attachment there's a finish of that sentence in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure it's no coincidence that god develops our patience develops our character develops our uh, faith through the trials that we endure. Don't you agree? If I mean, you've been a Christian for any time. You know it hasn't been uh, rosy all your life. Right? That you've gone through things, and when you come through those trials and tribulations, what happens? You're a little stronger. Your faith has been tested. You have patience the next time you go through something. And you know what that does in that love that you have for one another? You're able to comfort somebody who's going through maybe some similar things that you went through. And that's a great thing. You never want to be a Lone Range Christian, a Lone Ranger Christian. You want to have a family of God that supports you, that can come around you to laugh with you, to cry with you, to pray with you, to help you out. And that's always a blessing. Romans 5.3 says, Not only that, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. All connected, right? All those things, all those great things. Perseverance, character, hope. How important are those things in our journey? Well, those are the very things that should be evidence in your walk, in your trials, in your tribulation, because you're counted worthy. Those are things you get from the Lord, through his grace, through his Holy Spirit. Because he loves you and he knows. He always wants to equip you. Because he knows this life is not easy. Verse 5. Which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. That manifest evidence is proof. It's the proof of God's righteous judgment that you are counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. When you go through the things that we go through in our lifetime, 
And God brings us through it. We're here today. He brought us through it. We're not AWOL. We're here. He has kept his hands on us. Even though we might have been faithless, he was faithful, right? And he's seen us through. He's bringing us to this point of our life right now, where we're open and studying his word. He's blessing us. His word doesn't return void. That's his promise. You're opening up yourself to his Holy Spirit to be blessed by him. In John 16, 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Remember these things that he's trying to uh, convey to the people in Thessalonica. They're being surrounded by people that are mocking them. It's easy to gravitate towards a false religion that is giving you everything that your flesh and heart desires. But to be called and counted worthy to be a believer in Jesus Christ, it's the highest calling in the world. There's nothing that measures up to it. Nothing. Doesn't matter. You can be the President of the United States. You can win the NBA championship. You could be a billionaire. Nothing measures up to being a son or daughter of the king. Nothing. John 15, 18 says, The world hates you. Understand that it hated me first. If you were of the world, it would love you as its own. Instead, the world hates you because you are not of the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. Remember the word that I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. If they kept my word, they will keep yours as well. Now, I believe we're blessed in this country. We don't really go through the persecution that majority of believers in different parts of the world go through. You know, maybe they call you a Jesus freak or a holy roller or you're one of those Bible thumpers. That might be the extent of your persecution. Or it could come down to maybe because of your belief they didn't hire you or promote you. Something like that could happen too. But the persecution where you're whipped or beaten or thrown in jail or, or killed for your faith, we have not seen that. But yet, we know Paul was beaten. He was left for dead, yet he kept going on. What a great example we have right in the Old and New Testament of these men and women of faith who keep going on regardless of the obstacles, regardless of the persecutions. And may we be counted worthy if that day ever comes. But I can tell you this, if you're keeping your face in the book, if you're hiding his word in your heart, you'll be ready. Because our Father prepares us for those things. Those things that the world, the flesh, and the devil throw at us. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a believer or a non-believer as far as how the enemy attacks. You know, it doesn't matter. Both saved and unsaved get sick. Both saved and unsaved die. Both saved and unsaved have marital problems and 
financial problems, whatever it may be. We know that God is not a respecter of persons, but we know that Satan hates all humans. He only wants to steal, kill, and destroy from you and me. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says we, and we're included in this, we have this treasure, God in us, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit, because of what Jesus did on the cross. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. Do you feel hard-pressed tonight? Has this been a grueling week for you? We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in in us, but life in you. You know, we constantly have to die to ourselves, don't we? There's always parts of our flesh that are trying to rise up. But remember, we've been crucified with Christ. It's not us that live. It's Christ who lives in us. We need to become less, and he has to become more. And that happens because you're called, you're chosen, you're counted worthy. And you might be sitting here tonight and go, Pastor Benny, I I can't measure up to what you're saying. No, no. If you put your faith in Christ, he's the author and perfecter of your faith. Yeah, it might take time, but... You're a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. We're not where God wants us to be yet, any of us. But we're on that journey together. Continuing with 2 Corinthians 4, 13, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. We're all in this together, everybody. You're not on this road alone and neither am I. We're on this journey at this point in history, in June of 2018, together. Because he counts you and me worthy. We're still going. We're still going forward. Our eyes are still on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Okay, let's go down to the next verse, verse 6. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, That word righteous thing in the beginning of verse 6 also means passing just judgment on others, whether expressed in words or shown by the manner of dealing with them. 
So God is going to pass just judgment on those who reject him one day. Might not necessarily be the people who persecute you or give you a hard time. Because those people might be the very ones that are close to coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior like you. And God's put them into your path. Because he knows he's using you. He's counted you worthy. Because those people are seeing how you're reacting to the questions, to the antagonism, to the situation they might be trying to put you through. Remember, Jesus is in you through his Holy Spirit. He shines through you in ways that you do not understand or that you do not notice. But guess what? The unbeliever sees that. God uses you to reach that unbeliever. The way you say something, the way you act, the way you don't act, the way you show love or mercy to another person, even though it's a stranger. God is using you because you're his child. You're his ambassador. You're his person that he's put in that situation for a reason. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter your personality. Doesn't matter your age. Doesn't. Your influence on someone else is, else is God-ordained. Never forget that. Remember who your father is. And he counts you worthy. That's awesome. That word tribulation, one of the meanings of that word, it's a pressing, a pressing together, pressure, affliction, distress. So when you're going through something, even the situation, or the worker, or maybe it's a member of your family that's really pressing you, that's really causing affliction and distress in your heart. Understand that these words come from pressing grapes together. Pressing, you know, olives together. Getting that pure juice and pure olive oil. It's Remember what we read earlier. As we go through these trials and tribulations, we go through the pressure of life. God is purifying us. He's making us more able to shine in a dark and dying world to the people that we come in contact with. Part of that peace that passes all understanding is the hope of the millennial kingdom that Paul is talking about throughout his letters, but especially in one and two Thessalonians. Let's take a look at the next verse. Verse 7. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Remember, there is a day coming, and it says it right here in verse 7. There's a day coming when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels Verse 8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, taking a, it's pretty heavy when you hear about flaming fire and vengeance and 
We know the scriptures say that, you know, vengeance isn't yours and mine. Vengeance is the Lord's. And his is pure, holy vengeance. Now, vengeance is a punishment. But it's not wrong for God to take vengeance. We understand this when we understand what the word means in the ancient Greek language. The word rendered vengeance has no associations of vindictiveness. It is a compound based on the same root as a word rendered righteous up in verses 5 and 6. And it has the idea of a firm administration of unwavering justice. The idea is the application of full justice. We serve a loving, merciful, gracious God, but he is a just God that must condemn and punish sin. And that's a beautiful thing if you're a believer here tonight. Your sins, my sins, have been judged at the cross through the precious blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross, through his death and resurrection. You're saved. You don't have that sin to your account anymore. But there's a world out there that's dying. Spiritually, they're dead. They need to be born again. And how does God do that? He does that through his spirit, working through his word, working through you and me, working through the situations that come into those people's lives. You're an intercessor. Pray for those that are lost, that are in your circle. Pray for those who don't have a desire to know God. In that verse 8, it says, On those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. On those who do not know, our prayer is that their eyes would be turned, their mind would be alert, their attention would be to the things of God. They don't know. They don't have a desire. They don't have a... um, an interest in those things. Our prayer is that their mind would open up, that their eyes would open up, that they would be attracted to those things of God, that they would pay pay attention and observe. That's why it's so cool if somebody ever comes up to you and says, hey, I know you go to church, will you pray for me? You know that's not you, right? That's the Holy Spirit working in you. That's that's evidence of God's grace. The gospel, the gospel of God, following Jesus. Jesus proved who he was through his resurrection from the dead. Jesus proved who he was through his resurrection from the dead. The gospel is the good news that you don't have to die in your sins, that if you follow Jesus, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. But it doesn't stop there. This is a journey together. We don't want any human being separated from God, do we? We want to have some impact on the people that come into our life. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says, I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. 
Let's jump to verse 9. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction for the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. When He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Now verse 9 Every time we go to bed, every time we wake up in the morning, it should be on our heart that there's a world hurting. There's people that we're going to come in contact with today or tomorrow that are going to face this punishment. They're going to face this everlasting destruction. And one of the biggest things, if you catch it there in verse 9, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction. And I think that next few words says it all from the presence of the Lord. How long will they be out of the presence of the Lord? Forever. Everlasting. Forever. God wants nobody to perish, but all to come to the saving faith of Him. You're counted worthy to pray for the lost, to touch a lost soul, to help somebody that's lost, that doesn't know the way. We didn't know the way. We were born once, but we weren't born again when we came out of our mom's womb. Right? God opened up our eyes. He shed His grace on us. He's not done doing that to anyone. You're counted worthy to look, to find, to be CIA, Christ in action. Be Christ in action. Find those souls who are lost. Verse 10 talks about that day. That last day of this present age, the day Christ will return from heaven, raise the dead, hold the final judgment, and perfect his kingdom. That beginning of that thousand-year reign to be glorified in the saints and be admired among those who believe. Because our testimony among you was believed. Remember, that judgment that's coming one day is a judicial decision. It's a sentence of condemnation. It's an execution of a sentence. It's a punishment. That Jesus loved the world so much that he died on the cross. His father sent him down to die. That anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. They don't have to face that everlasting judgment. Being out of the presence of God. They'll be in his presence forever. Verse 11. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God will count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. You know, your faith in action, your faith in power, you've seen it, you've experienced it, I've experienced it. We've seen people come to the Lord right here in this church, right? You might have seen it in your workplace, in your family, out on the streets. You see individuals getting saved. You see them grow in maturity. They're not the same that they were a year ago, two years ago. 
You see people returning to the Lord that maybe weren't following Him. But remember, even though we're faithless, He's faithful. He keeps His hand on us. He brings us back. And every time He brings us back, that's what happens. We're a little bit stronger than the last time. We're stronger than we were before. Because He's our coach. He knows how to work us out. He, does, he knows how to get us spiritually tough and spiritually ready and spiritually in shape. We don't know how to do that. That's His grace. Seeing people live a life worthy of Jesus' death and resurrection, how awesome is that? That people are doing that. That you're doing that. And don't say, well, I'm not doing it right now. Hey, you're counted worthy. God's going to have you step up. You're here. You're not someplace else. You're hearing his words tonight to you. He loves you. He cares for you. He's equipping you. He's maturing you. Verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us, no matter what we're doing, in our thought, word, and deed, that we're doing it for Jesus. Do we blow it? Yes. On this side of heaven, that's a no-brainer. But remember, Jesus is working on us. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's developing us. He's he's moving us. He's doing those things that um, he knows has to be done in our life. And as I close right now, I just want to pull up a couple things. If we could just have the uh, PowerPoint, guys. One of the things in the verses that we read tonight, verse uh, around 7, 8, and 9, talks about the flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. In 1 Thessalonians, we saw the rapture of the church. Here we're seeing the introduction to the second coming of Christ. And again, remember, he said, Jesus, or Paul said this to a baby church. It wasn't a, a church that's been around for a long time. So up on the screen, we have what took place in 1 Thessalonians 4, and what's taken place in 1 Thessalonians or 2 Thessalonians 1. And just real quick, I'm going to go from uh, left to right, line by line. In the rapture, which was in the first letter to the Thessalonians, we have Jesus could return at any moment. That could happen in the next five minutes, next second. Well, the second coming that he's talking about here in 2 Thessalonians, it follows timed events. We don't know the time for the rapture, but the second coming is going to come three and a half years after the abomination of desolation, halfway through the tribulation period. The earth's not judged in the rapture. The earth will be judged in the second coming. Uh, The raptured or translated saints go to heaven. The translated or raptured saints return with Jesus from heaven. The rapture is a mystery, but the second coming is predicted often in the Old Testament. The rapture comes before the day of wrath, and the second coming concludes the day of wrath. 
There's no reference of sa- to Satan in the rapture. Satan is bound in the second coming. He comes for you and me, his bride, in the rapture. He comes with us, his bride, in the second coming. He comes in the air for the rapture. He comes to the earth in the second coming. He comes for believers only in the rapture. His return will impact all people in the second coming. In the rapture, only his own will see him. In the second coming, every eye will see him. The tribulation begins after the rapture. The millennial kingdom begins when he comes the second time. The rapture is before the day of the Lord's wrath and the second coming concludes the day of wrath. In the last verse, it talked about that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him. And I want to close on that. You bring glory to God in different ways. Did you know that? Because you're counted worthy. You bring glory to God when you tell others who God is. When you tell what he's done. When you live his love in your life towards other people. When you reveal his grace through your actions and words. When you reveal his righteousness. How do you treat that guy that acted that way to you with so much mercy? Oh, that's God. If it was up to me, I'd belt him in the face. But that's God. God wants me to love him. God wants you and me to be a living illustration. He wants us to put him on display in our lives. Our life, your life, is a testimony. And how how do we glorify in Christ, that second part? How do we do that? You know, how do we glorify Christ, in Christ. Well, we're positioned in Christ. Did you know that? You're positioned in Jesus Christ. When He is glorified, we are glorified in Him. Our character reflects Him. Who we are in Jesus is the most important thing in our life. So when you're... Don't count yourself worthy. Understand that Jesus says you're worthy. Don't listen to yourself. Listen to Him. Know His Word. Don't be easily distracted and and thrown off course. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you. Let's have a